gospel lesson today is from Mark 8, 31 through 38 in the Message Bible. Please stand if you're able. Jesus warned them to keep quiet, not to breathe a word of it to anyone. He then began explaining things to them. It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religion scholars. Be killed and after three days rise up alive. He said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. But Peter grabbed him in protest. Turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe, Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of the way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you so very much, Barb, for that children's message on today. And uh, thank you for the ways in which all of us are being used by God here at Evangel Heights uh, United Methodist Church. I want to spend just a few moments on um, talking about Jesus uh, being our example. I, I, I want to share with you that I'm aware that many of you have been on this journey called um, Christianity, this journey called discipleship, and I know that you, like me, sometimes we think we have it all figured out, or at least we think we have most of it figured out. Maybe? <laughs> okay, okay. I want to share with you that life happens. We have our own ideas as to how life is going to unfold for us. And then one day, the unexpected occurs. It wasn't on our vision board. It wasn't anything that we had thought about. Life happens. It can be an injury. It, it, it can be uh, the loss of a job, the loss of retirement funds. It, it, it can be health. It can be a divorce. It can be that that we never thought would enter into our realm of existence. Did I mention health problems? We wake up, we feel great, and then before the end of the night, we find ourselves in an emergency room facing a life or death crisis. Life happens. Now, there are some people who believe that when we come to church, we're going to praise God and sing wonderful uh, songs up to God, and we're going to pray prayers that God will be pleased with. But once we leave those doors of the church, we now need to put on our real selves. I mean, we've had our spiritual selves going on in the congregation, but now it's time to put on our real selves and let's face life. Do you know anybody like that? 
Don't raise your hands. I'm thankful that today we were able to hear two scriptures. Uh, the scripture read from a translation and also from a transliteration. I really like the message because I like the message. I like the NIV. For this particular scripture, though, I wanted to use the message because Jesus is hitting home, right? He talks about our fickle friends. He talks about our losing our lives or wanting to save our lives. So for a few moments today, I just want to talk about Jesus, our example. This concludes our four-week sermon series on returning to God. Come home. It's an invitation to those who have been on this journey a long time. Be open to what God wants to reveal to you afresh and anew. Don't think you have God all figured out because we don't. And then for those who've not been on this journey, God is saying, come home. You think you know how to live your life? Oh, no. You have no clue. Come home. Let me teach you how to live your life. So we looked at the, this God who calls us to come home, the majesty of God, the power of God, the fact that God loves us so much and sees all that we are going through. We talked about the divinity of Jesus Christ. Before coming to earth, Jesus Christ was with God. And yet now Jesus Christ has come to earth. So the divinity of Jesus Christ is seen specifically through that experience on that mountaintop when he was transfigured. And then last Sunday we talked about this God who is imminent, very close, very personal, who makes a promise to God's people through Noah. After God's creation just literally turned its back on God believing that it knew better than God how to live life. Do you know anybody like that? God, I've got it all figured out. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll praise you. I'll worship you, but on Monday through Saturday, let me do my own thing. Today, we're looking at Jesus, our example. Familiar text to many of us. I want to lift up to you two ways in wit that can get in the way of our following this example of ours. You know the story very well. What you don't know is prior to today's reading of the scripture, uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, Jesus and his disciples had been in a conversation. And for first century Jews, um, it was common for someone to ask the question, so what is, what is the public saying about me? How are they viewing me? And then it was also common in the first century uh, uh, Jewish community for that person to then ask the question, so what, what is your view of me? So that's what we see, right? Prior to chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus asked his disciples, so tell me, what are the people saying about me? What are you hearing? In other words, what is my public self? And, and they tell him, you know, well, some say that you are Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And Jesus asked this question, okay, so, so who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you know, I won't ask you to repeat it. I'll just tell you. Peter says, well, you are the Christ, the Messiah, right? Yeah. But then let's flip now to chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. 
Jesus proceeds to share with his disciples very clearly what it means to be the Messiah. He says, in essence, I, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. On the third day, I will be raised from the dead. And the response of Peter is that of a rebuke, right? Now, I'm going to hurry. Peter rebukes Jesus. Because let's face it, first century Jews were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. Their expectation, especially those in Galilee, which was the hotbed of revolution, they expected the Messiah to come and to destroy Roman imp, the Roman Empire. They expected the Messiah to deliver them from the oppressive forces that they were experiencing. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And the third day I'll be raised. And Peter rebukes him. Here's number one. This is what gets in the way of our allowing God to be God and to use us that God so desires. Peter tries to distract Jesus from Jesus' mission. Now, I wonder, I wonder, when Jesus heard Peter's rebuke, I wonder if Jesus took a mental trip back to, and you have to look at Luke chapter 4, that time when Jesus was in the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. Satan who was trying to distract Jesus from following God's plan for Jesus' life. I wonder if that's what Jesus was hearing as Peter said, oh no, oh no, oh, oh no, you won't be killed. Oh no. I wonder if Jesus heard distraction from his mission. How many times have you said, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'll do whatever you are calling me to do, only to be distracted. And so Jesus rebukes Peter harshly. Let me just say something to you very quickly, and, and you know this about me. We've been together for almost four years. You know that um, I can become so focused and intense <laughs> Terry's laughing. Uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ, there's some things I will play with. There's some things I'll joke about. But when it comes to who Jesus Christ is, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who has, who has been sent into the world to reveal the true and living God to us, I don't joke with that. This past week, I was given um, a, an article that uh, was in um, Newsweek, and if you want to see it, I'll send it to you, no problem. And there is a part of the Christian community that has said, after reading the Beatitudes, well, this is a liberal Jesus. Jesus rebuked Peter because 
Peter was trying to distract Jesus from Jesus' mission here on earth. Beware of those who will try to distract you from following Jesus Christ. They'll say, oh, it doesn't take all of that. Beware of those who will try to distract you from living out your Christian witness within the community of faith. You're going, where? Oh, come on now. You don't want to do that. Who are those people anyway? So Jesus continues to share with his disciples and with the crowd. Did you notice that he's talking to his disciples and he's also talking to the crowd? And he says to them, if you want to be my disciples, Deny yourself. Thank you, Barbara, for that. Less of you, more of Jesus. If you want to deny yourselves, you must deny yourselves if you're going to be my disciples. That's the second thing that can get in the way of the church of Jesus Christ, of followers of Jesus Christ, from our fulfilling what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. You may not be guilty of this if I were to review the pages of my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure that I will see instances of this. Jesus Christ calls us to do something, and yet we figure we know how to do it better. As a matter of fact, we just choose to do it our own way. Jesus says, follow me, not half-heartedly, not when you want to, not when you feel like it, but follow me. And then he goes on to say, and this is what's so precious, and for those of you who have been on this journey a long time and you're serious about your walk, you will testify that this is true. Jesus says, because guess what? If you really want to know who you really are, you can only discover that through a viable relationship with me. You cannot begin to fathom who you are outside of that relationship with me. Deny yourselves. I want to talk to the congregation just for a moment. We have to make sure, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we follow Jesus all of the way. I was in conversation with someone this weekend, and, and we were just talking about the church. And, and, you know, it's amazing how we like to say, well, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And then we choose to do things our own way. Let me give you an example. We believe in outreach, right? Yes. Um, but I heard a term this week that I had not heard before, and it's called soft outreach. What does that mean, Pastor? That means we set up the perimeters. We decide how far we're going to do outreach. We decide which group we're going to go to. We make sure that we're in full control. We set up the parameters. What does that look like? I'm so glad you asked. Look at Matthew chapter 25. I think it's verses 15 through 40, but it's called the great um, commandment where Jesus says, as much as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me, right? So we decide, so which of, which of these least of these are we going to go and help? And we go, and that's great. 
But what about, but what about those who are just so struggling to find out if Jesus really loves them? They're, you're not going to find them in a safe place necessarily. You're going to find them on the streets. You're going to find them in certain neighborhoods that your friends have told you you should not go to. I was talking to someone online very quickly, talking to someone online. We were a part of a group, Rob and, and Katie, and this person just said to me, well, I just want you to know if you're going to stop in that city, uh, we won't go. We're talking about a Christian event. We're talking about a city where children will be picked up, and the person said, we won't be going to that city. Jesus calls us. Look at the text. Jesus calls us to follow him. And we cannot control where he is going to lead us to. But this is what I will tell you on Sunday, February 25th, 2024. If you let him lead you, you won't be disappointed. If you let Jesus lead you, you will discover more about yourself than you will ever discover by staying in a safe place. If we let Jesus lead us, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, we will discover great things about ourselves that we have no inclination about today. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to lead me. So that means I'm willing to learn what my real self is. And I can only do that in a relationship with Jesus Christ that's not a surface relationship. It's a relationship. 24-7. 24-7. The song writer wrote, where he leads me, I will follow where he leads me, not where I tell Jesus I want to go. No, where he leads me, I will follow, and not halfway. I'll follow him all the way. And the songwriter is very clear. Some of those paths will not be pleasant paths. Some of those paths will include pain and heartache, but as long as I know that Jesus Christ is leading me, I know I can trust him to help me to get through whatever is on that path. He is our example. God said, Jesus, come to go to earth. People need to understand who I really am, so reveal to them who I really am. Jesus I long for a relationship with the people so Jesus reconciled the people back to me through your death. Jesus said yes. I don't know what you are facing today. I, I really don't. I know what some of you are facing today because you've been kind enough to share it with me or I've heard it through the grapevine. But this is what I know, beloved. If we are to reach our God-given potential, our true, true, true selves, 
it will require us to say, Jesus, I trust you. Lead me. If we are to be the church of Jesus Christ, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, moving forward, the past was great. We'll celebrate our birthday soon. But going forward, however, going forward, if we are to be the church Jesus Christ is calling us to be, we must say, Jesus, lead me. Lead us. We trust you. Let me close now. I told you Jesus died on the cross, but the reason why we gather today is because we know he didn't stay dead, right? Amen. Amen. We know that Jesus suffered. Jesus was killed and placed on that cross that represented shame, that cross that was a symbol of political power, but we know he didn't stay dead, and he got up. And that's why, please hear this as I take my seat, watch out now, watch out now, because he got up. I don't care what you're going through, you'll be able to get up too. Nothing and no one will be able to keep you down because the one whom you serve, the living Savior, has all power and is able to cause you to get up as well. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Amen? Amen. Loving God, we trust you, and we thank you for Jesus, our example. Oh, Lord, please help us individually. To trust Jesus to lead us. Help us as a congregation to trust Jesus to lead us. For when we do, we will discover who we really are. Image bearers of yours. Amen.